welcome to Clover Club. This is your host, Erica. I'm just, I'm so excited for my guest today. I've, as soon as I started this podcast, she was on my list of people where I was like, oh, I got to get her in the chair up here. My guest is Rachel Baba. She owns Seed Factory, and she is also a friend and a client and just overall awesome human being. And we're going to get into all sorts of topics today. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's welcome Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Erica. Thank you so much for coming. Do you like my Taco Bell table? I do. I do. Do you know the story behind it? That you stole it out of a Taco Bell? (laughs) I wish that was the story. That's way cooler than the story. Man, I time traveled to 1989, went into a Taco Bell and hijacked this table. And then I time traveled back to 2023 to put it in my podcast. That's the story and I'm sticking to it. Sticking with it. I love that. (laughs) I'm already so energized. So Rachel, I was thinking about this on the way over here. We've known each other, I I think for at least 15 years. I think so. Yeah. So yeah, we met, we met in my early twenties. So a little while ago Mm -hmm. and we became close while a mutual friend was going through a cancer journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you haven't had that experience, that brings you close to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The person who's sick almost becomes like this anchor and everybody in the peripheral. Well, what's the best way to describe it? I feel like there's just like a lot of like love and support and community that just sort of blossoms in a time of sadness and hardship. And I feel like my friendship with you really growing through that is one of, you know, a good thing to come from something awful. Sure, sure. I think everybody, yeah, everybody comes in to help. Everybody kind of sets in and and wants to protect and wants to be around this person. Absolutely. And I think you're, you're a doer, you're an action oriented person. And so am I. And so I think it was really easy for me to connect with people like you during that process, because it's like, we don't want to sit around and think about things and be sad. It's like, what type of action steps can we put behind, uh, you know, this experience? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of crazy. Um, So we had Rebecca Cummings on, who is a state and trust and wills attorney. And we talked a lot about what happens when we die legally Mm -hmm. and uh, why you need a will and what happens if you don't have a will and just kind of exposing a lot about the topic of death that I think a lot of people, if they're not forced to contemplate it, don't think about because it can be really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think for me throughout my life, having had friends, especially cancer, I think is, is different than a suicide or old age or, you know what I mean? There's just, because you get a heads up. Erica, we did meet when a mutual friend was sick and everyone came in close and wanted to protect them. And a lot of intense relationships kind of formed around that. The first people that I have shared certain things with are people that I got to know during that experience. Yeah. So my brother has been diagnosed with a stage four glioblastoma, which is an aggressive brain cancer. My brother is 53 and had a child with his wife late in life. So they have a six-year-old daughter and they live overseas in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of layers to try to get to that person and and do the same thing, protect, you know set in around them and and protect them. And I'm going to even reference another podcast, but it was, um, oh, I found it profoundly helpful in the first moments of diagnosis Mm -hmm. 
when you're, I'm trying to take care of my parents, I'm trying to take care of my brother, I'm trying to get over there, I'm trying to make sure that my business, that I can step away. Yeah. And I'm not sure how I found it, but it was Anderson Cooper, CNN, mm-hmm. and it was called All There Is. And I say it was because it was very short. It was maybe a seven or eight episode podcast. Okay. And the entire thing is about grief. Oh, wow. And I found it so powerful. And ironically, I listened to it in the car driving home. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a terribly spiritual place, but it was private mm-hmm. and I could have my own kind of reaction. And it was never a reaction that I needed to pull off the road, sure. but some were really tender and poignant. And a lot of what he talked about was anticipatory grief. Mm. And I highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah, I will so, immediately download that. Yeah, it, it was well done. And I think when you get a diagnosis like cancer or, or another kind of relationship, you know, you're, you're entering into this. Mm-hmm. And, and in some cases, you are told this will be the thing. Yeah. And it takes you a while to wrap your mind around the fact that like at first you, you kind of react like this is the thing that's that. Mm -hmm. And then you, you just start to work your way into it. You have to, and then you realize, Oh, we're still here. We're, we're doing this with cancer. Yes. We're living with cancer. And I think that was sort of, that was a pretty profound description Mm -hmm. to me. I, think this episode is going to air in November, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Nothing makes me more thankful for little daily present moments than having experienced loss. And especially, I don't, again, there's something specific about cancer because you have not necessarily always a lot of time of a heads up. It really depends on the type. Right. But I'm, I'm thankful for those experiences because they really permanently there's science behind this it permanently changes your neurochemistry to to go through that like beginning middle end that whole process and so i'm i'm thankful that i have witnessed this i'm thankful that i know people like you who are comfortable sharing their stories because i know there are people listening who haven't experienced this yet but you will i mean lucky you but you're gonna get bad news at some point i just this weekend i one of my favorite clients she's she's got to be in her mid-50s she came in and she's been diagnosed with stage four liver cancer. And I learned this information in a professional setting. And it was, <laughs> it was very difficult to get that news because I love her. She's amazing. And, you know, it's so interesting to think that eight weeks ago I saw her and she's just bubbly and full of life. And we're talking about shopping and I showed her this necklace I really liked and she got it too and uh, the fact that that can be growing inside of you and that you cannot find out until there's a number four after it is just incomprehensible to me and it's easy for your mind to go straight to the impending worst phone call but you're so correct that the time that you have in between it's so important to uh, And just squeeze every drop out of it. Absolutely. And just like we've seen before, so so in my brother's case, he's doing really, really well. So it's it's you have you go through these little mini shifts as you move through this where, oh, everything's okay today. Mm -hmm. And and you just keep moving through these it's like 
time becomes less of a broad, long thing yeah. and more of a short, you know, yeah. incremental thing. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I'm not sure how I feel about that whole live every day like it's your last. I almost feel like that's a very difficult thing for the human mind to do. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah. Does it need to be something so magnificent as I'm, you know, the proverbial climbing Mount Everest? Or mm -hmm. is it just that simple clarity about what matters, what doesn't, what I have control over, what I don't, yeah. what I can do, what I can't? Yeah. It's really a life lesson when you or, or someone very close to you has a diagnosis like that mm -hmm. because it... It, it does shift. There's a lot of sort of tectonic shifts that yeah. happen. And then you still get up, you still move forward, you go through treatment, you, mm -hmm. you know, you do what you can and you're still, you're still in it. You're still. It's like a backpack that you can't take off, but people don't see it. And it's interesting. Earlier this year in February, my grandfather passed away and he was 98 years old, lived an amazing life. I mean, it's, he, he had it good. And my family, you know, we got together and we went to lunch that day and we went to a restaurant that we've been eating at since I was a baby in a bassinet. And we just had lunch as a family and all of us had just experienced this. It came as a surprise. So we had this surprising, you know, permanent change to our lives, but from the outside, we're just a family having lunch. And uh, I think when you experience things like that, to me, it makes me so much more compassionate mm -hmm. because you never know when you see somebody, you know, turn without a signal or taking too long in line at the grocery store, these irritating little things. I really try, and I don't, I'm not always successful at it, but I try really hard to be like, I don't know what type of day this person is having, yeah. but I like to kind of carry that with me of giving people grace and just like, what if this person just ha got horrible news? What if this person's experiencing something that, why would I know? You know what I mean? And I think it's easy to have a little bit of like a saltier lens maybe when you haven't been forced to deal with stuff like this. And you and I in particular, I mean, we have a lot of mutual friends who have also experienced this. It's kind of interesting, actually. And my mom said to me once, she's like, I can't believe how many people you know who have passed away, not just from cancer. And I'm not even 40 yet. And it's fucking tough. Yeah. It's fucking tough. I don't know if this is an insensitive pivot, but being a solo small business owner is also tough. And there are also things that you deal with in that. And I think that there are kind of some takeaways and carryovers that help support me as a business owner that I have learned through observing people's lives, you know, maybe coming to an early conclusion. Do you feel that way? Like, do you feel like having gone through this with our mutual friend and now with your brother, does it change the way you look at or approach your business? I think it, yes, yes. Um, I think trying to think of the right way to phrase it, there's a, there's a lot more that I let go of. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a lot more that I'm like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It does, but it doesn't. Yeah. And that's not, you know, we're not doing it any better or we're just trying to do it the best we can. Right. Absolutely. I think for me over the past year is uh, just a lot of letting go of little things. Mm. Um, and I would describe myself as a fairly controlling person. Yeah. 
And I think, I think that's one of the reasons why I went into business for myself was that then I could kind of exercise those things, those urges and, um, and really work at making something the best that I could make it. Yes. And it also has a lot of time behind it now, right? Mm -hmm. So the store is 20 years old Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that we can kind of let, let not be on autopilot, but just, they're just, it's smooth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, if it's purple, not green, it's okay. <laughs> what, whatever it is, I can't, I can't even think of a good example at the moment. I just feel that there's a lot of things that, and, and to your point, even being salty with someone in line or in traffic or whatever, Yeah. there's, there's, those are two very different examples. One carries with it a threat the other not so much (laughs) but even in those areas I've just found it's all good like Uh, it's 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 not worth sweating not worth it yeah it's just literally not worth it yeah I shared a story a couple episodes ago about a lady that I saw littering in traffic and I said something to her and now I wouldn't say a damn thing I would just be like litter away like I'm not getting shot over this I'm not gonna get feathers ruffled I just And I think, I think the other thing is, is there something that I can share or something that I can do that's going to change that? Right. Can I, I mean, it sounds like it's not in a position where I can even kind of swoop behind and pick it up or take care of it. So it's almost like, what is, is my reaction to this going to create any benefit or just amplify what's already happening? Yes. And I used to be an amplifier. Yeah. That (laughs) whole thing, maybe that's the, what I'm really trying to get to. That's the thing that's become so achingly clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. It's, I mean, you've been in business for an impressive amount of time and you wouldn't have that track record if you weren't good at what you do, right? But it's interesting even 20 years in to think of evolving mindsets and approaches. And uh, I think that's something, I think I even wrote this down in my notes that you can't be a successful solo business owner if you aren't flexible and uh, open-minded and willing to adapt because there's no room for rigidity in this. Yeah. That's the, that's the great irony, I think, as so many of us think, no, I really want it to be specific to, to what I want mm-hmm. and I want to control these components or, or, you know, the environment. Yep. And I think going into business for yourself is one of the least opportune places <laughs> to control everything. Yeah. You kind of design everything yeah. in a grand scheme, but I think you're constantly pivoting. And, and sometimes when I think back on that time span of having a children's store that long, it's been several different businesses within that time span yes. in, in that, you know, when we opened, I had a cash register and a carbon notepad mm-hmm. and that's how we rang people up. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> um, and, Vintage. and yeah, <laughs> No, that's so 1986, as my husband would say. <laughs> Did you open in 1986? No, no, no. no that was, I was like, all. wait a minute, I was born then. That's that, that was the year that I graduated high school, Erica. I was <laughs> sitting at this very Taco Bell <laughs> booth in Chambly, Georgia. Um, <laughs> no, 2002. Okay. Um, but I, I think there was no internet. I mean, yes, but 
But not in the it way that like there is now. It was like at prestigious universities and, mm-hmm. you know, crazy big corporations. Yeah. Nobody on the scale of retail that I was in was, was using a POS system at that time. Right. Nobody was doing business by email at that time. No, yeah. Again, not at that not at that scale. Yeah. Just like a true classic brick and mortar, mortar business. store. Got yeah. it. And then I think all of the women that I've had a, the opportunity to work with in the store have all kind of planted their, you know, imprint and their, yeah. their fingerprints on the store. Yeah. And I can remember one woman saying, we got to be on Facebook and we've got to have a blog. And yeah. I was like, if you'll help me, we'll do it. Yeah. Um, and then there were other times where we were leaner on crew mm-hmm. and someone would say, let's do Pinterest. And I'd be like, absolutely not. Yeah. Because if anything changes right now, that'll be all me. Yep. And I can't commit to that. Yep. So that holds or that, you know. Yes. And now it's it's almost the opposite. And I think we're even in a moment where it's like we're reinventing again. Yes. And trying to I feel like we've exhausted everything we need to do on social media. Yes. <laughs> now what do we do? So right. I'm it's I'm a kind podcast. Of, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's the new Pinterest. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, and yeah, a lot of times I've thought about the number of women that I also, you and, and Amy at, at Aviary or, or mm-hmm. Kristen at Rosefinch, mm-hmm. or not that I'm just going to the spas, but you know, <laughs> Annie at Star and just yeah. these other women in business that I talk with. And I think, man, somebody should really set up like some sort of council or some sort of can we make that happen? Because that's a very flattering list of women to be uh, in with. In with. Yeah, um, for sure. And I know other people that I would add to that list yeah. who I think, well, there's... I, like I went, into a, I went into a young woman. I went into her business. It's fairly new. Mm-hmm. We don't know each other well, but recognize each other. Okay. I waved. I was excited to be there and try. And she came out and just sort of was like, what do I do? And, yeah. and, and told me a couple of stories and we didn't really have time to get into it, but I was just like, boy, I would have loved to have given her some thoughts mm-hmm. and maybe it would help, you know? Sure. But I feel like, yeah, the, or the, the number of things that have happened in 20 years where my learning curve was straight up and down. Dude, and there's no handbook for this. And and there literally are, but there's no handbook that's going to teach you everything you need to know because each business has its own unique set of circumstances and challenges mm-hmm. and, uh, and expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it all falls to us. Yeah. And I find myself, especially since I've pivoted into more of a retail-based business, uh, struggling with striking the balance of handing over power and responsibility to my employees and trusting them to do the job I've hired them to do. Mm -hmm. But also knowing, like you said, if something happens to them, fuck, that's on me. Do I have time for this? I think that there's this glorification or romantic, this is what it is. It's a romanticized concept of what it's like to be a female brick and mortar retail shop owner. Sure. Um, I just rewatched, have you seen Practical Magic? Uh, ages ago ages ago so I realized this they played it at the plaza the other night for Halloween and I went with a girlfriend to see it 
And Sandra Bullock's character opens mm-hmm. this little potion shop in this like adorable little New England town. And I think that literally planted the seed in me as a kid of just like, that looks so cool. Yeah. Like I want to go to a cute little shop where I yeah. can control the aesthetics <clears throat> of it and I can just make people happy all day. And I think from the outside, everybody would be like, yeah, you are. But what they don't show in that movie is like the taxes, the business license, sure. all of this crazy shit that yeah. you only find out you did it wrong when you get an angry phone call or a letter from somebody. Yeah. Um, it's really really tough and like I the learning curve couldn't be more vertical yeah it's tough and I I think the other thing that's interesting is I think we also have this idea well there's a lot of um we're about to crack the can on this one Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that I think are happening that are really interesting in business right now like people would look at us and say oh those are two small business owners yes and we are but it's interesting that the small is typically a finance or a financial qualifier. Yeah. But I do think that we collectively are now approaching businesses with a set of expectations that are neither big nor small. We kind of are approaching all businesses with the same expectations. Absolutely. To reuse the word. But yeah. and I think they those expectations are going to be different for different people, but yeah. I think they're very rarely about Mm, this is the scale of this business. Mm -hmm. So what can I expect, you know? Yes. And is that even, I don't even know that that's the responsibility of a patron to go in and. Yeah. I know exactly what you're meaning. It's whether it's a national brand that goes into a development that a business like yours or mine would be in or a local business, the expectations are kind of the same Mm -hmm. and we don't have the same resources. We don't have a budget for paying people to put together amazing viral TikToks and all of the stuff that, you know, I, uh, there's a constant navigation of uh, which horse do you jump on? Which horse do you let leave? Cause we can't do it all. Right. But optically we need to look like we do. Um, uh, yeah, I think, and back to that piece about just our, like if, if you walked into seed factory mm-hmm. or if you walked into target mm-hmm. to vastly different retailers, vastly, what would your expectations be? Like you're, you're looking for a shirt. You're going to get a gift. Go. Honestly, my expectation would be higher from you and it's almost unfair, right? (laughs) Like you don't have the ability. I mean like the Royal you of like a small retailer, right? But you don't have the staffing of that. But I would, I expect more of a personal connection when I'm shopping with a local business. I expect not necessarily the same color options or size options. I expect like a more curated, specialized group of offerings, but I think my expectations for my experience as a customer are actually higher in a local business. Cause I'm like, there's still a human being who has their finger on this as opposed to a big corporation where this is all just kind of on autopilot. Right. What do Which you is, think? It's interesting. I think I feel similarly and I don't know if that's just because of the space that we occupy during mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. If I, my expect, I don't need them to have a stellar TikTok, Right. or I'm not looking to them for those things. Right. I need them to be accessible. Mm-hmm. Someone, if I have a question or if someone can help me. Absolutely. And just kind. Absolutely. Like a nice smiling face where you yeah. feel like you're welcome and like you, yeah, just feeling welcome in a space. Yeah. And often I will want to look for what I want to look for. Yeah. But I may seek someone out to break down 
where would I find children's white t-shirts or, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. Or, hey, I've narrowed it down to these two. Which do you find to be the most popular, crowd friendly or whatever? Yeah. But I think there's also benefits to, I mean, your store is hyper curated in the best way. I mean, if you haven't shopped at Seed Factory, please check Rachel's shop out because it is gorgeous. I mean, it's so... A big chain retailer cannot accomplish what you have done. And it's easier to say no to things when you're small. So uh, people come in and they're like, oh, you don't have enough men's stuff. And I'm like, I know. I have some. Like men can 100% shop here. Men are more than welcome to shop here. But they're not my hero customer or like Mm -hmm. my customer archetype. And as a small business, I can say, no, this is my curation list. Here's the reason why that's that. But big companies, I feel like are under a really big microscope on. Well, the main, the main reason for us would be budgetary, you know, and the cost of goods can't be that high, Mm -hmm. especially because there's not but in a, like a thousand square foot retail space, you only have so much storage room. You only yeah. have so much floor space. There's yeah. only so much you can do. Yeah. And there's only so much you can purchase. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that money has to come You have to make those choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I did an episode with the two dudes that opened up this retail shop right behind me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about like, God, the upfront cost of the inventory alone and the amount of money just sitting on shelves at all the time. I mean, thousands and thousands, sometimes yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's got to come from somewhere. And that's shifted since COVID. Mm-hmm. And before COVID, most of your, most vendors would offer some sort of payment terms. So yes. I can buy this line in mm-hmm. and then give it 30 days to begin to generate some revenue before I have to absolutely uh, pay for it. Right. And I remember that fall of 2020 and everybody <laughs> saying it's COD now. That's right. And it was like, get the money up front. <laughs> I don't have a, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's a big, that's a massive change to the way yeah. our businesses operate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on that note, going back to 2020, I think there's also some really interesting things happening. I don't remember the specifics and you may not want to discuss this, but um, there was a (laughs) small business administration offered Ah, let's uh, get into this relief loans. Yes. It was called the COVID idle loan emergency. Economic injury and disaster loan. Thank you. And that I remember being sent out um, in early April. Yep. Uh, before PPP was even mentioned. Yep. That was the first wave. Yep. So I talked to my accountant. I talked to my family. I talked to other business owners and I ended up taking one out. Mm-hmm. I didn't take the full amount they were offering. I scaled it back, Yeah. but I took that. Mm-hmm. And essentially that was, that took care of that spring season yep. that we were closed. Yeah. Um, how long were you closed for? Two and a half months. Yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. The That sounds so little, you know, yeah, but it's amazing. The zero income in the pond close to zero. Yeah. And we have, I mean, we have a brick and mortar store one, mm-hmm. and then we have an online store. Yes. But the things that we sell in both of those are completely different. Isn't that interesting? And it was never one where I was buying so much inventory for the web store. It's always been shared. Yeah. So it's easy to have those things represented in the store. Right. But but for the most part, we sold them more readily online. It was a lot of our Waldorf and Montessori wooden toys, open-ended yeah. wooden toys. Yes, love those. Uh, but in the store, we primarily sell children's clothing and books. Yeah. And so what was interesting is as soon as the door closed on March 14th, we had this shift 
And then people were contacting us and they wanted the wooden toys. Mm -hmm. And so we began to sell that. We just don't have as much inventory and can't, now we can't get our hands on anything. Right. Cause so, everywhere else is shut down too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, but what about all these clothes? Totally. <laughs> you know, like now we have to want pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> How about a onesie too? You like giraffes. <laughs> I got and, you. <laughs> so got you. Um, and so that was really interesting because we had to sort of adapt to to survive. Absolutely. And then because the PPP was really proportionate to your regular payroll, mm -hmm. your you know, the the previous year, not calendar year, but the previous twelve months of payroll. Right. So our PPP wasn't that outstanding. It certainly wasn't gonna pay for that inventory. Nope. So it was a nice little band-aid on things. Yeah. But yeah. So now here we are repayment began on that COVID idle loan. Yep. And it was the sort of thing that it was either I tell everybody they have to go home today and they don't have a job mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we just sort of drown mm -hmm. or I take out this relief loan and maybe we can continue. Right. And I can remember talking to my accountant and he was like, what's well, a 30 year repayment? And I was like, that sounds great. Cause you right. know what? It's not today. Exactly. But I didn't really have any time or clarity to think about, am I going to be doing this when I'm 80? Right. So the, the year rolls through and in May of 2021, the repayment begins. Mm -hmm. And I paid on that for a year and a half. I've never had any direct contact with the SBA. Mm -hmm. I got a letter in the early days just saying, heads up, this is starting. And I set up the auto draft. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the end of it. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of 2022, we're working on corporate taxes. And my accountant says, do you realize that that $10,000 that you've paid back towards that loan has gone entirely to interest? <sighs> and I was like, well, that's not... That's not how I understood that. Right. I understood that it was going to be a 3% interest rate. But if they're doing that, that suddenly taps it up to a 6% interest rate. That's very different than what's written on paper. Yep. So I reached out to someone at the SBA and I didn't, I couldn't get anyone. Mm -hmm. At this point, they're trying to shutter that program as quickly as they can. Yeah. And now it's impossible to get anyone. They... They like literally closed the office, right? Literally shuttered that office. Yeah. So um, catch me if you can. <laughs> yeah. So I stopped paying Good. because I thought, well, now I just can't get anyone to return my calls to discuss the terms of this. And then I was like, I think I, I think I have just an ethical dilemma with an emergency relief loan. And I, I know they're not limited to COVID. Mm -hmm. I, these would be given in times of hurricane in a coastal town right. or or tornado or, you know, other, sure. other event that could be devastating and people would have to close for a long period of time. Right. What the hell is that? Why are they charging interest on a relief loan that they're giving to a business yeah. so that you can stay open? You've asked me to close, I've closed mm -hmm. and now reopen with a boot on my neck. You're and you're you're earning money off of this. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> so, I have some I have some issues with it for sure. And I literally like 
I've contacted Senator Ofsoff's office. Mm-hmm. We went in and sat with them. They were very responsive. It was not only myself, but a couple other business owners that happened to be women. Yeah. At some point, my accountant contacted me and said, if you go back in, if y'all have another meeting, can I join? Ooh. He said, all of my businesses are reaching out to me and I have no I'm counsel. Sure. I can't get anyone at the SBA. Yeah. So not to, not to disparage the SBA, but you just can't, it's just, um, it's empty. There's nothing. You can't get anything. So you can't discuss it. You can't ask for an audit Mm -hmm. like they did in the case of the PPP. Right. You know, come in and look at exactly how we use these funds to see if there's some other compromise. Mm -hmm. I talked to Ossoff's office about doing community service. As wow. a means of paying it off. Yeah. I was like, help me, help me get to them and discuss any other option. Yeah. But this financial burden has, has just been, we've just been dragging it along mm-hmm. since COVID. Yeah. And I don't know what to do with it. Well, and I don't think you're supposed to know what to do with it, right? It's like you as a small business owner made a choice that was the best choice for you to make at that time along with thousands and thousands and thousands of other small business owners. And it makes me wonder if you can't even get someone on the phone, who's monitoring the repayment of these loans in the first place. Oh, I don't think anyone is. What would happen if you just straight up stopped? Um, I have. (laughs) (laughs) And she's here to tell about it. (laughs) And my cell phone number is now. Um, I have, and I've reached out, and I've reached out to the senator's team and been told repeatedly that they've reached out on our behalf, uh-huh. and we should be expecting a call, but that's been going on for seven or eight months now. Dude. So you just get silence. For a little while, there were like, I want to say two months in the spring, we got some robocalls. Mm-hmm. Those have stopped. And, it, and I asked the team at Senator Ossoff's office, I was like, I would be curious to know how many of these loans were given out and how many yeah. have already closed, how many businesses have already closed. Right. Um, and they didn't, I mean, they, that wasn't their specific task, so they didn't have an answer for that. But, but it is a curious question. Yeah. Yeah. The, the true cost of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel, you're happily married, but there is a term if you're single called matching energy. And when you're dating somebody, it's like you want somebody who matches your energy. And so I think this is a good opportunity to practice that with the SVA. And like, if your energy is leaving me on red, I'm going to do the exact same, same to thing. you. Yeah. 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 Like, it's just not worth it. Yeah. It's wild. But it's... And the whole reason that I initially contacted them was because even a year and a half in of repayments, I was like, I, I need a breather on this. Yeah, I bet. So I reached out to them to sort of see if there was some financial hardship that you could press pause for a moment. Right. And like I said, I just never, I never got anything back. So once I realized it was a little, what was written on paper was different than what was being practiced with the interest rate, mm-hmm. I was like, just pause, just everybody pause until, yep. till we know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so stressful. And there's so many moments 
my business has been open for half the time that yours has. But I think of all of these little moments where I was dealing with some sort of big, scary entity, whether it's my landlord or the government or whatever, and just overwhelmed and and trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. But there's really not a lot of clear guidance and it feels intentional. It feels I'll go as far as to say a bit predatory because so much money is made off of interest, off of fines, off of us not knowing what to do. And it's not, it's a crime of nothing, but it's, it's not, what am I trying to say? It's not negligence. It's literal ignorance. You know, yeah. it's like, we don't know what we don't know. Well, I think the assumption is that if you're a business, then you've got counsel. I have an accountant, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't keep a lawyer on hand. We I hope no that's not a, business a huge vulnerability to admit that. But I can remember the year that, gosh, when was this? This was pretty early on because when I first opened, the sales tax rate was broader. I want to mm-hmm. say it was 7% or okay. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up layering in the city of Atlanta mm-hmm. to Fulton County. And so you have the two the sort of multiple jurisdictions. And I can remember doing some cleanup at the end of the year, just financial stuff, and realizing that the sales tax payable that I had entered was different than what I had been paying. Oh, no. And it was, it was awful. I assume was you weren't the, paying more? <laughs> I was not. Um, and it was one of those things where the Department of Revenue had really done no outreach to let businesses know that yeah. now there's this new layer of sales tax that's coming in on top of the old layer. Yeah. And and so I was responsible for a year's worth of a percent and a quarter of sales tax. And it just so happened that that was a moment in time when, when the business could pay off the penalty, you know. And I remember calling the Department of Revenue and just saying, if I pay everything at once, can I avoid penalties and interest if I clean it off right now? Yeah, work um, with me here. And they did. Good. But it was just like, now how do I know if this is going to happen again? Uh, Some version of that will. Yeah. And it's not the first time something like that's happened. And it's not the first time that a a government agency essentially Mm -hmm. has said, you have to come to our website periodically and just stay informed. Okay, that's easy enough. Not on their websites. <laughs> true. true. Um, oh, that but eight it, point font doesn't do it for you? <laughs> I think in the grand scheme of all the things that you want to design and you want to control in your business, there are so many things that you're... I didn't, I didn't open a children's store because I was a business major. I, right, because you love compliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a stickler for compliance. <laughs> totally. I am a creative, and yeah. that's what I wanted to do with it. Yes. So naive, whatever, there are some learning curves in there that are expensive, and like you said, yes. they're absolute vertical inclines. Yep. And they also layer into the number of things that a business owner small or large, mm-hmm. but the large ones typically will have a team, you know, in place to do so. Yep. So now every January I'm scrolling that website just to oh make sure, God. you know, and there's a lot of things like that. They didn't always have the city of Atlanta business license. You had your state registration, mm-hmm. but then at some point they started the actual city license and that was another one of those instances racketeering yeah and so it's 
difficult because you do have to be nimble, your own agent, your own oh. advocate in yeah. a lot of these areas. And one of the newest ones is, and we got ahead of this, but is the ADA compliance for your website, Erica, have to do it. And you so, may have already. I don't, I, I think the majority of people listening to this are like, what are you talking about? So, uh, so if, what are you talking about? If I am, am visually or hearing impaired and I go to shop on your website, then there's software or tools that I could use that would make your website accessible to me. It might, it might be a reader that's reading off the descriptions of the imagery and the products. Okay. It might be, and then walks me through a transaction. Should I choose to go there. Sure. It may be a children's sweater that I have a photograph of and all that alt text is describing the blue and the style and the fabric and mm-hmm. the content so that someone who can't see the picture can understand the product. Sure. And uh, I think the the again the learning curve there is that when you open a brick and mortar, you have inspections along the way. Yeah. A team building out your space when you finish you'll have a certificate of occupancy. Right. And that just sort of stamps that everything's been done to make this a safe and accessible space, physical space. Right. And so you develop a website, but the interesting thing is that is a little bit of a wild west Mm -hmm. in that someone had mentioned it to me and was like, hey, heads up for this. So I start looking around. I even talked to or web developer, and there's just not a lot of guidance or information about it. Okay. And one day I called the Department of Justice because I was looking at the ADA.gov website, and they were the sort of governing body of this. Yeah. And um, and I'm looking for just just I need a bullet point outline of what I need to do. Yeah. To make our website accessible, mm-hmm. and they don't have one. They do, but it's like. It just speaks in abstracts. Of course. Uh, Your font needs to be a certain percentage, variable unknown, (laughs) of the overall size to be used with particular reader. But I'm assuming there's multiple readers or devices out there to assist someone. So it didn't read like a list that you could just go and tackle and check off. Do you think that's intentional? I I. Don't necessarily. I think it's negligent. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things that we tend to do to ourselves where it's like, let's fix this mm-hmm. or let's respond to this mm-hmm. and then deal with the problems that occur later. Right. We'll fix those as they become clear to us. And I didn't get much help from the DOJ from calling them and, and trying to get you know, a clear list. Yeah. And then in the end, I ended up purchasing a widget to put on our website. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even a hundred percent sure that that's a foolproof solution. Wow. But in speaking with a few different lawyers, it's my understanding that these ADA compliance suits, someone could sue you at any time. They could say that they've had problems historically using your website it's often done in a federal circuit court, so it's kind of out of the question for owner-operated business to say, yeah, I've got the resources to sit on this for a couple of years while we wait for it to right. you know, come to trial. Right. That's one that I feel like everybody should be made aware of 
but I don't know. That's the type of thing that I would just presume that the professional that I'm paying to build my website would be knowledgeable about and build in accordance. Like it wouldn't even occur to me to check on that, right? which I think is exactly what they're preying on. Well, and I think and by they, I mean these lawsuit people, yeah, not like the for sure. DOJ. Even when you go to someone who's building a site and mm-hmm. asking them about it, like our, our new site is through our POS platform, right? Right. So it's not an individual, but we did that just to kind of mesh everything together. Yeah. Even when you contact them, and this is a huge corporation, right? They'll say that's not on us. That's on you. What? Yeah. That's actually insane. So, and they're doing kind of a template website, right? So I'm sharing this with you in the hopes that anybody who's listening <laughs> that might be oh, like, God. oh, I need to get a, we, we did a widget called Accessibi. Okay. Good and to know. what it does is it just presents a little icon on the homepage uh-huh. on every page. Uh-huh. And when you click on that icon, it'll open a menu that okay. can help you choose the specifics that can help you navigate a website right. if you are sight or hearing impaired. I wonder if that widget is installed, if there's with, you could say with reasonable effort, I have done my best to provide an experience for my impaired website user. Right. Like how much extra onus can come on me? Um, I think the (laughs) circuit court would answer that one. I don't know. Um, But to me, that's this... This is like where I say we're in this moment of reinvention again. Yeah. Or seed is. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it mm-hmm. is I'm dealing and trading in things that I don't wholly understand that aren't my background. Right. Website design and accessibility. Yep. So again, the learning curve is straight up and down as you try to to make your business as accessible and user friendly to all people and hope that you hope that you've stuck the landing and that everything's working correctly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think once you tackle something like that, the next something like that comes, there may be a lull in between, but I feel like I'm constantly learning about something I'm doing wrong accidentally. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, yeah. it's, I feel, I think from the outside looking in, people would look at both of our business and be like, they're doing great. Like these are two, you know, women who are doing the damn thing. Uh, And we literally are, but there's so much stuff like this. Like, I think it's really nice that you're open to talking about this on a platform like this, because uh, this is the type of thing that people like you and I talk about behind the scenes and on social media. We're like, oh my God, look at this cute new thing that we just got in. But it's, you don't know how stressful and how many nights you're up just like, how do I solve this problem? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I consider myself a problem solver, but I'm not a millionaire. And Well, and you <laughs> don't always have all of the, there are multiple people in some of these problems. Absolutely. Or the solutions, I should say, for some of these problems. Yep. So it's not always, like sometimes you need to ask for help or mm-hmm. counsel or whatever. Yep. So it's not always just your singular problem to solve, yeah, you know? Absolutely. I'd be curious how many businesses in and around Atlanta, and maybe it's maybe it's female owned, yeah, would be interested in some sort of group or I'm not quite sure what it is. I I just let us know. <sighs> yeah. I, I'd be curious if I feel like that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um 
And it's even one of the things that we proposed to, I say we just because there were other people there, but I don't feel like it's, people have different degrees of how comfortable they are kind of peeling the onion on their business. So I don't, Absolutely. That, that's not mine to say that's theirs. So, but I'll, I'll just say we. But that was one of the things that we mentioned was just that there's not a lot of guidance for owning a business, you know. Uh, and do you mean specifically a brick and mortar business? I, I, no, not necessarily. Okay. Because I think now that, I mean, all the stuff that I learned about the, the ADA compliance online, yeah. that was complete. Digital. It's totally digital. Yeah. Um, and it was completely new territory for me. Yeah. So I, it's one of those things where I feel like I, I plugged some things in and I've tried to start getting ahead of this, mm-hmm. but I don't, it's not my, what's the right word? It's just, it's not my field. So I, I feel unsure of where I am on that learning curve. Sure. Yeah. 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 And I think every day, all you can do is the best that you can. And some days that's more than others. But I think that there are a lot of people who would be interested in some sort of group like that. And I did a women's mastermind group for the first half of this year. And are you familiar with the mastermind group? No. So the way that it's structured is there's a host facilitator and then each person you meet once a month. And you bring in some sort of business issue. And so Mm -hmm. you have, I can't remember the minutes, but let's say you've got three minutes to state your issue. And then there's eight minutes to kind of go around the group. And people aren't supposed to tell you what to do, but they ask clarifying questions and they help you come up with some clarity and action steps. And then you implement them and you, and you choose an accountability partner. Somebody takes notes for you and sends them to you. And of course you can communicate through that month in between meetings, but I found it. I think that wasn't the group for me because our business types were so varied. But if I could find a group of women that had more overlap in the type of businesses that we had, I think it would be invaluable. And mm-hmm. I can think of off the top of my head, a solid number of people that would be interested in that. Yeah. So if anybody listening feels the same, and maybe even we could do, and I know this is a thing, I've got a friend whose husband's in a group like this, but basically you sign an NDA. So whatever's discussed in that group doesn't leave the group. Mm-hmm inviting people to be more comfortable sharing uh, maybe more detailed uh, issues and right. numbers and stuff like that, where it's mm-hmm. like, I don't want this out there. This is extremely personal, but like I need help and I'm doing this on my own. Right. We might be onto something here. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I do too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's all about just navigating. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and navigating, learning, stripping away ego. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. a very humbling experience. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Oh, I agree with that. Something that's interesting that you just said was the idea of being in these groups and signing uh, non-disclosure so that Mm -hmm. you can feel safe talking about the finances of your business or the struggles could be the financial struggles of a bit of a business Mm -hmm. and something that this is a bit of a jump but something that I found interesting is last year my brother was diagnosed with very aggressive brain cancer a year ago and I can't believe it's been a year yeah and at first you sort of everything falls out Mm -hmm. you my father struggles with dementia and advanced dementia and couldn't remember my mother fell apart. My 
I immediately wanted to go travel because my brother and his young family live in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. But I had to make sure that the business was covered, which I know I can do for a short time. I can, I I like a small team Mm -hmm. and I know I can kind of put that on them for a short amount of time. Right. It was the end of October last year. And I think coming back from that, my brother's doing quite well within his diagnosis. So now we kind of have our footing again, right? Now we're, we're all living and navigating with this cancer. And I remember somebody asking me something about the business. And I, I just had this very clear moment where it was like, my self-worth isn't necessarily tied to the finances of my shop. Yeah, good. And my shop is its own entity. And of course, the goal is for it to always be healthy. But there were moments, in some ways, 2023 has been harder than the past couple years. So um, interesting. Coming out of COVID and all the volatility that we had there, mm-hmm. I feel like in some ways, 2023 wants to be kind of normal again. Yeah. So whatever that means. But right. And yet it's been very difficult to predict Mm -hmm. and very difficult to forecast. And they're very difficult to inventory and very difficult, you know. Yeah. The landscape's completely changed. Yeah. And you just saying something about the NDA just kind of made me think of that. Somehow I feel like we need to put a little bit of grace or a little gap in between that my value as an individual Mm -hmm. and the well, the, mm, the course like the status of your business? Yes. Yeah. It's really easy for those two things to get really deeply intertwined. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, especially, I mean, this is all I have. Like, I don't have kids. I'm single. Um, I am my business for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. And uh, when one aspect of that is put at risk or there's something that happens in your personal life that makes you question the future of it, it, startles your foundation. Yeah. And I think that I would imagine every business owner, large or small, you wouldn't be in it if your identity wasn't also so tightly wound to it. But being able to separate the two and know that if something happens here, I am still a whole and worthy human being. Yeah. Very important lesson to learn. And I hate that something so news is upsetting as you've gotten about your brother is what's, you know, invited you to reassess that but it's it's fucking life (laughs) yeah and it's you know it's just one of those sort of big shifts Uh, yeah so huge shift these are these are two tough topics really that we focus on with this conversation Rachel yeah but I would like to think that anybody listening to this episode has found aspects of it that are relatable and maybe not something that they have felt comfortable talking to people about or maybe have the support or network to explore these types of things. My natural inclination, I'm a very private person, which probably sounds odd as now I have a podcast, but I've also struggled with how how much to share and how much to put out there. But I think that it only works if you're just super vulnerable and honest. But I think when I, I mean, if I got news like you got, it would cripple me because my natural inclination would be to just shut down. And you don't get to do that when you have employees counting on a paycheck and you've got business hours and you've got appointments and you've got people expecting things from you. And so there's this, it's interesting. It is so deeply intertwined, but then also you have to keep those two things so separate also. Yeah. It's the really sense hard of to navigate. The 
it is interesting. And I, I know there's, there's 101 ways to run a business mm -hmm. just like anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. But I can remember the first year that I was open and it was 1986. I, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was, um, new year's Eve. Okay. And it was quiet. Nothing was happening. We were just the little store next door to Star Provisions. Yeah. And I closed the door at five mm -hmm. and I left. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't made that known. Of course, there was no social media or anything at the time. Right. But I didn't put a sign on the door. And Annie, my neighbor at yeah. Star, was, I mean, she'd been doing this for a long time and, and is definitely a mentor of mine. And I remember her telling me after that, she said, if I drove across town to go to a business that's advertised as 10 to 6 mm -hmm. and I got there at 5 mm -hmm. and they were closed with no communication she mm -hmm. said I would likely never go back and I was like that's true yeah. especially in Atlanta traffic right. and the fact that that I could find an alternative or you know that was so early on that it's always been like just be clear about it be consistent about it totally. don't mess with it yep and your sense of it's not obligation that's not the right word that has some negative like, connotations like it's 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 what you've committed to it's right. your commitment yep. and so your sense of how do i balance that mm -hmm. with how do i be a person yeah <laughs> is is sometimes in you know contrast to one another yeah and i'm not saying that they're of equal measure mm -hmm. in this life mm -hmm. but Sometimes that sense of responsibility or that sense of commitment is difficult to carry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely agree with you. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to uh, compassion and, and gratitude, but there's a difference between a business closing an hour early because the owner wanted to get a pedicure and because the owner is going to tend to a family emergency. Right. And sometimes there isn't time to edit your Google listing over an yeah. hour. You know what I mean? So it's like as a business owner, it's just constantly navigating what is the best choice for everyone involved here. And sometimes you will let people down. I'm sure that I have done that, but it's never intentional. Mm -hmm. Certainly never the goal. And yeah. I think you just have to do the best you can. And your people will understand that about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really am curious. And in some ways I feel like my next act uh -huh. is some sort of mentorship. I'm not sure that that's right. Like consulting um, something, but that sounds so, I don't know. I think that what you've learned as a retailer over the course of 20 years is invaluable. And yeah. I could think that you have so much wisdom to share with people. I mean, if you wrote a book, I'd be lined up to read it. Somehow I feel like there's a way to help young business owners or new, <laughs> right. newer, green business owners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think there are things that could be shared that would be helpful and, mm -hmm. and you know, they could benefit from them. Oh, um, yeah. Sometimes I feel like that's the next act. Isn't it interesting to you how uh, you start your business and uh, you probably have a pretty good flush out idea of what you want it to be, what you want it to look like, what you want it to feel like, why you're doing it, and uh, how there are so many opportunities over the course of time that you're open where you're invited to rethink things mm -hmm. and it's just constantly growing. I mean, if you had told me, if you had told me 10 years ago that I'd be sitting here on a podcast chatting with you, I'd be like, no, I wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> but here I am. And yeah. I, and I love it. And it's a, it's been a great creative outlet, but I don't think the person who opened this business, a had any right having a podcast, but B like, I just wasn't, 
it wasn't the time, you know. But I, I think that happens in, I mean, a business is a, its own thing. It's yeah, its own entity. It's a living entity. Yeah. It is. And mm-hmm. so you kind of grow up with it. Um, yeah. And it certainly changes. And even the the perfect design that you go in thinking this is it, I didn't get that until six or seven years in. Yeah. But that's uh, we did everything as we could afford it. So oh, I totally get it. <laughs> it was the you know homemade burlap curtains and yep. pieces of seagrass carpeting glued down to patchwork <laughs> to make a you know yeah. it was all kind of cobbled together in a way. Yeah. And then little by little, it'd be like nuts to these carbon pads. We're writing everything down. <laughs> We're gonna you know now we can afford a POS system or totally. what a credit you know. card terminal exactly. <laughs> Um, when you had to call Amex and get a authorization code oh from them. God, yeah. yeah. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but that's how rapidly things have changed yeah. since even 2000. That, you know. Absolutely. And then you, you, you see what works better for your customers, what's easier for them, mm-hmm. and you'll change the space. And then you really want to, it becomes less and less about what you thought it might be mm-hmm. and more and more about how do I make it work better? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it turns into like a class project almost, or like a collective thing because sure. you get the same feedback from multiple customers and you're like, Hey, even if that's not something that I would have done of my own accord, if multiple people are telling me they want it here, that's I am doing it happen. for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hope if you've made it this far on this episode, uh, we thank you so much for listening to our our chat. But I think whether or not you work for a big corporation or you're self-employed or wherever your employment sits, I think that there's elements of this that can be applied to your career. And I think all of us just need to remember that every day you just have to do your best. And if on one day that looks differently than the next it's okay. And yeah. uh, in the month of November with Thanksgiving, I just, it's really friend of mind for me this month. So much to be thankful for and gracious yeah. towards. And you're definitely one of those people for me. Rachel, As are so. you. Thank, thank you, you, Erica. I love you. I love you. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope that you got a lot out of it. If you don't mind, give us a follow at Clover Club Pod on Instagram. And as always, Clover Club listeners get 10% off at hawkinsandclover.com with code CLOVERCLUB, all caps. And today we have an extra special code for you. You can shop at seedfactoryatlanta.com and get 10% off your purchase with code CLOVER, all caps. So ladies and gents, go treat yourselves and we will look forward to seeing you next week. Yay! Yeah.